Life could be a dream. Life could be a dream. This week on Homemade News, we're talking with a UCLA professor about the limitless power of music. I'm Jessica Schwartz, and I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Musicology at UCLA. Jessica is writing a book about how the memory of U.S. nuclear testing keeps echoing in music today. Her research has taken her deep into the Pacific Ocean, to the Marshall Islands. But her first love was punk music. I've been playing instruments almost my whole life. I went to school and I got my PhD in music. And I read that this foundational song in rock music, Shaboom, by the chords, was about Jimmy Keys, the lead tenor, his experience watching the uh, explosion at Bikini Atoll on uh, television. And that the, whole, that the group, or the members at least of the group there, were like, oh, we should really write a song about this. I continued to find a number of songs written in the United States about atomic testing. Everything from country songs to jazz songs to rock songs. I mean, it, was, it was part of popular, it was a huge part of popular culture. But there's one place on earth where songs about atomic testing resonate for everyone the Marshall Islands. When World War II ended, the United States spent the next 12 years testing 67 nuclear weapons in the Marshall Islands. According to Google Maps, the Marshall Islands are two parallel island chains with really far away ocean neighbors. At the time, I was living in New York, and so I stopped in California, went to Hawaii, Honolulu, and then transferred in Honolulu on a continental flight, um, and that went to Madro. Jessica fell hard for the beauty and storytelling of the Marshall Islands. During grad school, she moved there to learn about life in a country that has been partly vaporized by the United States. These things that often do seem kind of like they're out of science fiction actually happen to real people in real land. So the notion that islands can be vaporized by atomic weapons isn't just something that's made up. It, it happened to somebody's real heritage. Some people were really surprised that I knew about the Marshall Islands, and sometimes it was like, of course, you know, we've shaped world history, which they have. The image of the atomic bomb at Bikini Atoll has been circulated so much. You know, the huge hydrogen bomb or that really large kind of mushroom cloud. You know, it's, it's very iconic. The United States military really only valued the Marshall Islands for its potential loss. Stu Stuart Kirsch, who's an anthropologist, cultural anthropologist, talks a lot about this. But it's this idea that the land is valued because it can be destroyed. Nuclear tests irradiated the local population, and many children grew up to be diagnosed with thyroid cancer. The treatment involves a throat surgery that leaves survivors with these low, flat voices. The music that comes from this area is haunting because they're protest songs where you can hear the suffering in their voices. It's just off the grid completely, right? Their voices are just not even on the grid. people in the Marshall Islands, outside of the Marshall Islands, would contend that there is enough evidence to suggest or to prove that the United States government had full knowledge that the winds, in fact, were going 
towards Rongelap and, and, and wanted to use the Rongelapese and other island populations in uh, Project 4.1, which is a st- which was a study um, on the effects of radiation on human beings. So that in case the United States was attacked, we would know what the, the government would know what to do, would know what to expect. The throat and the way that the throat is perceived in Marcy's culture, it's, it's akin to the heart in our Western culture as the seat of the soul and the seat of emotions. The idea that the voices and the throats have been devastated by the nuclear testing, that it disrupts at such an intimate personal level, that it really disrupts the potential of people to reach out. In the Marshall Islands, so much of their history comes from things that happened to them. Even the clunky name, the Marshall Islands, feels hopelessly out of touch with their stunning beaches. Locally, the islands have been known by different names. There's the Radak and the Ralik chain. The, the chains basically mean sunrise, sunset, you know, because they're parallel. In, in these two chains, the sunrise and the sunset chain, that's what they would call the islands. This song also has a strange name, 177. It's referring to Section 177, part of an agreement with the U.S. to address the consequences of the nuclear testing program. Seven to 85, almost 30 years, the Rangalapis were on their contaminated island eating the contaminated foods and they were having miscarriages, uh, they were experiencing a lot of uh, health problems they would eat and their lips would burn and have scabs and uh, scientists came out and monitored the soil and said this is not acceptable. Today, the story of the Marshall Islands is still pretty unresolved. The singers with thyroid cancer have their experience, and the U.S. government has its own version of events. Did the winds change? Was the testing an excuse to measure human suffering? Jessica's job is using these pieces of music to help craft a more complete picture of what happened and what is happening now. If I've gained any expertise on something, it's, I think, more about the kind of uh, creative dialoguing of these stories and and ways of, of telling them and thinking critically about them to open up new and alternative avenues of thought and engagement than knowing every single Marshallese song that ever existed, right? No, no, it's it's impossible. I have thousands and thousands and thousands of them, you know? That brings us to the Bikinian anthem, which is so unbelievably expressive. So the first song, as you may or may not have heard, sounded more based on the how somebody would perform an acapella hymn. And then this uh, sounds more like a, a folk song, an American folk song with guitar and people singing.
you know, not laws don't always work. A lot of people in circulating this music, it's kind of like a grassroots movement spread and so that it affects people. You know, I'm talking about it to you. You know, the women were singing about it in the Nuclear Victims and Remembrance Day ceremonies and other politicians and diplomats here, the, the people, and they're, they're singing and their voices. And so it touches people on this kind of level. The nuclear testing devastated so many people and it's going to for generations. And so really I'm interested in what we can learn from this, what we can learn about people's resilience, about people's uh, value, about understanding um, how people want to be treated or not treated. At Homemade News, we can't wait to review Jessica's book when it comes out. It's called Radiation Sounds, Marshallese Music and Nuclear Silences. Thanks so much to Professor Jessica Schwartz and UCLA for the story.